Strategic Financial Partners presents the Rush Hour Podcast, where the rubber meets the road on the economy, stock market, and personal finance. Now here's your host, Matt Rush. Welcome to the Rush Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rush, and with me today is Chris Humer. Chris is a CFA charter holder, as well as Senior Vice President and Senior Investment Strategist for FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds. He is responsible for turning Northern Trust Asset Management's investment thought leadership into successful ETF products. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Matt, thanks for having me here today. Absolutely. Hey, today I want to talk about a growing investment strategy known as ESG. So if you would kind of set the landscape for us, tell us what is ESG investing and how it's different than socially responsible investing. Absolutely, Matt. ESG investing is a category of investment approaches that focuses on environmental, social, and governance as key elements of their product design. This may, there, there are many different ways to accomplish this, ranging from integrating ESG principles into the stock selection process, using quantitative processes to evaluate uh, ESG-related key performance indicators that are reported by the company, or even taking a highly concentrated ownership stake uh, to make an impact in that company's direction. Um, Socially responsible investing, or SRI, is one of the oldest types of ESG investing out there. SRI strategies typically take an exclusion approach where they eliminate companies from the starting universe that may be viewed as harmful or um, problematic in one or more areas of that environmental, social, or governance pursuits. While some investors like the exclusionary approach taken by SRI strategies, other investors are uncomfortable with the amount of tracking error and idiosyncratic bets or you know, uh, that these strategies might take where they exclude whole sectors from the market. Think of uh, fossil fuel strategy, fossil fuel free strategies that exclude the whole energy sector. You know, by doing that, you're taking a large amount of tracking error to the market-weighted uh, benchmarks. And because of that, in certain market environments, you could see underperformance due to those biases. However, we've seen ESG investing as a whole, uh, particularly approaches that take a better job of focusing on those best-in-class companies within each sector uh, that, generally speaking, have done well uh, over the past couple of years and have actually had, some, in, in some cases like our strategies, outperformance. Okay. So if, if somebody were to just you know Google ESG investing, it's, it seems like the definition for that is, is rather vague. Uh, what one particular company is using for their analytics might not necessarily be what another one is using. So how can investors better understand the factor analysis that a company like Northern Trust uses whenever you're screening for investments? Yeah, and, and the one thing I would do is, is, is first point on that ESG, based on kind of the way that we, we look at the world from a factor investing standpoint, doesn't traditionally meet that definition. Meaning that when you, we talk about factors, a lot of times you're talking about a compensated risk that you're using to outperform. Um, so things along the lines of, say, value investing or uh, looking at positive momentum or high quality companies or low volatility companies, those would all be factors. ESG works a little differently. Um, what we've seen from our research is that typically ESG strategies deliver market-like returns uh, with less standard de- deviation or risk. You know, as I mentioned, typically we've seen some outperformance over the last couple of years in those strategies, but overall it would be more um, more market-like returns. Now, 
Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely understand that. The ESG landscape, there's a lot of different terms for advisors and investors to understand. Let me kind of help demystify that by kind of going through some of those terms and, and hopefully that'll help uh, people as they evaluate the different ways and different approaches that ESG is 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 put forth to to investors. You know, we talked about exclusionary that SRI approach of removing portions of the universe, and we talked about the pros and cons there. Uh, another approach would be positive screening or best in class, and that's typically when you're looking to seek out those companies that are the best performing ESG companies in each specific sector. So when you see that kind of methodology. Think of a best-in-class type of approach. Another way you could look at it is uh, thematic. So you'll see thematic strategies. Those are typically things that take one aspect of ESG and focuses on that. So if you think of it, uh, things like a low-carbon fund or a gender diversity fund, those type of strategies are going to be more of a thematic approach uh, where you're going to use that as kind of like a uh, a slice of the portfolio, not the whole thing. Uh, and I'll give you two other terms that you'll see with ESG. One being impact. Those uh, funds tend to uh, be concentrated portfolios with the intention of generating positive, measurable change within the companies that the fund invests. And then integration. And integrating is that, that concept of combining ESG characteristics or measurements into that traditional investment approach, whether that be fundamental or quantitative. So you could look at it as an active manager that in their fundamental analysis, they're including ESG principles in there, or you could look at it as from like a quantitative approach, things that we do at Northern Trust and FlexShares, where you're incorporating some of the elements of, uh, of those environmental, social, and governance KPIs into your investment process. You know, what uh, Northern Trust offers strategies across several of these buckets, but our ETFs are would probably be considered in that best-in-class bucket where we're giving core equity exposure while focusing on those companies that score well from an ESG perspective. Okay, so ESG seems to be have been more widely adapted in Europe and now institutionally here in the United States. Do you expect it to start to grow in popularity with the retail investor? Oh, absolutely. And, and I wouldn't say start. I, I think we're fully seeing that today, you know, putting aside even uh, the, the social environment we're in where ESG is taking a main focus before, before that and before even pre-COVID, uh, we were seeing more and more conversations with advisors when we talk about our whole product suite focus on the ESG funds. And when we talk to advisors, they're looking for solutions in the ESG world. Now, um, yes, we, we definitely, from our institutional client base, we do see a lot of interest in ESG. Uh, and the way that I, the analogy I use is that, you know, we've tended to see this happen before where institutionals start with an idea. And then uh, over time, you see it more commonplace in retail and individual investor strategies. So think of factor investing is a great example of this. Uh, the use of real assets like real, you know, investing in REITs or infrastructure um, or even using private equity in your portfolio, your, your overall asset allocation. All of those were things that traditionally were institutional at first that we're seeing now being used uh, more and more creatively on, on the retail side uh, as well. I think the one piece of advice I would give to advisors out there that are listening is that I would not wait 
to have these conversations with your clients until they bring them up. Because if you're not checking in with your clients, especially the next generation of clients, I think you'd be surprised to see how many of your clients are thinking about this today. And I'll guarantee you, if you are not having this conversation with your clients, there's another advisor out there that is going to use this as a point of differentiation. As a sidecar to that advice, I would say that in general, not only have that conversation with your client and just to check in to see where they stand on it, but also have a general plan as a starting point, such as having one core um, strategy that could be used as a low tracking error product that could be introduced into clients' portfolio, as well as one thematic product that might pique their interest as well. So having those two tools in your toolkit will help you uh, be receptive to any ideas that your clients might have on ESG investing. So how do you think ESG can mitigate unintended risk and sector bias? You mentioned that, that you're probably looking at a, at a positive screening process and there's also exclusionary, but if you could talk about the unintended uh, risk there. Yeah, I, I think generally speaking, looking at ESG as a broad, as a, as a broad landscape, you know, by investing in the best ESG companies and avoiding some of the most problematic uh, especially if you're doing it on a sector basis, you know, what you're, you're attempting to do is avoid some of the future landmines that could, bl- uh, that could plague or undermine uh, a company's future success. So that is kind of from generally speaking, the way that ESG investors look at it when they look at it through an investment prism as opposed to a social uh, prism or just a feel-good prism from a from a categorical standpoint, that's how they look at it uh, being an investment approach. Personally, and how we look at our products uh, at, at FlexShares and Northern Trust, you know, really we are looking to be mindful of those ESG principles, but to do it in a way that you do not uh, exchange those future risk mitigations with any current sector or style biases that could lead to performance problems in the near term. So that's the way that we've designed our products is to have that tilt or that uplift to focus on positive ESG principles within the portfolio, but to do it in a way that we're not taking those large sector bets that could cause underperformance over time. Uh, And that's really been something that that's been the focus of those strategies since they were launched. So in your opinion, do you think that ESG would be a strategy that complements a portfolio or a theme that you would find throughout an entire portfolio? You know, I think with any investment approach, that's going to vary from advisor to advisor and their clients, uh, their conversations with their clients, as well as the approach that they want to take personally uh, themselves with everything else they're doing in their asset allocation. Uh, Sometimes a client's going to want a specific theme and those thematic products might be of interest to them. I would look at those as a slice of or a complement to the portfolio uh, and not necessarily the whole investment allocation. But strategies like the ones that that we've launched in ESG and ESGG, those those two ETFs, um, really they're meant to be core equity allocations. So you could either use those as a slice of your equity allocation or really truly if if your, your clients feel that they want to be fully into that ESG standpoint, they could be used as your full core equity allocation uh, because of the lack of tracking error uh, compared to the the whole market-weighted universe. So in general, you could use it either way as a core or as a a whole. And we are seeing that from 
advisors that are talking to clients that they like to have um, even just an ESG model of various products to say, if you want to go ESG, here's a full suite you could we could offer, as well as having individual products to, to, to pick and choose from as well. So kind of going back to the the first thing that you, you had spoken on there, uh, just on the basic difference between ESG and, and SRI, how, how much of a focus do you put at, at FlexShares and Northern Trust on, on the G portion, on the governance uh, of, of an individual company? Yeah, Matt, that's, that's a great question. One thing that we see from an investment standpoint, the governance um, KPIs that we, that we evaluate tend to have the best or the most influential impact on, um, on future company performance. And that makes a lot of sense when you think about it, because from a governance standpoint, if you have strong governance, the other things that you're looking to do to affect change tend to be easier to accomplish because of the strong governance within the company. So uh, to us, governance is definitely the one of the key things. And, and personally, I think that's something that a lot of times gets overlooked when we focus too heavily on, on environmental issues. You know, I think when we look at what's happening in Europe, uh, there's a large focus on environmental, which is which is great, which is fine. But if you think about something like the Paris Align benchmarks that are coming out, um, carbon, uh, low carbon funds, they're really only focused on the environmental angle, which is very important, but the social and governance are also key. And in particular, strong governance will definitely help you achieve your goals, not just from an investor standpoint, uh, to be better there and be better stewards of capital, but also from an, an environmental and social standpoint as well. And we definitely see that empirically as we look at the data, that strong governance matters. And that's why we focus on those in ESG and ESGG. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that investors are focusing on the sustainable nature of businesses as well as their ethics and, and diversity and governance issues. So, Chris, I appreciate your timely words and insights into the ESG landscape. Thank you so much for joining me. Matt, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I hope all your listeners are safe and healthy and uh, have a great day. For more content from Chris, you can follow FlexShares on Twitter at FlexSharesETFs or online at FlexShares.com. You can follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at MattRushSFP. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to be notified as new episodes are released. And if you're interested in our firm or would like to contact me, check us out online at strategicfinancialpartners.com.